Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Welcome to the podcast, HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan Nay. I've been reflecting on the topic of leadership lately and thought I'd share some of my ruminations with you. Let's have some fun with this. I call it, I see you as a leader. With the C in quotation marks. Imagine yourself as a seed. Now, I'm going to borrow from Peter Senge in his excellent book, The Dance of Change. Seeds require sunlight, water, nutrients, and tending to become their very, very best version of themselves. They also need to be in the right location, shady for those who do best in shady locations, and sunny for those who need to bathe in the golden rays. Over time, these seeds grow in strength and presence. It doesn't happen overnight. The acorn does not instantaneously become the mighty oak. It takes time and the right conditions. And in time, nature fades to produce new through the seeds sown, through what's given back to the earth. Yes, I love metaphors, and I do believe that we can learn a great deal from nature. So today, over the time that I have with you, we're going to use this metaphor and share a little bit about my own journey and learnings, given that I'm in the autumn stage of my own life, loving this opportunity to throw seeds to the wind and provide something positive for the new, you, to grow and perhaps take some nutrients from. Because leadership is a growth process, or it can be if we're interested in it being that for us. So I'm going to take us through three growth stages, what I call the three C's, these being confidence, curiosity, and connection on our journey together today. I believe that each reflects the growth process that we go through in our careers and through our personal growth processes. Three C's, the first of which is the C representing confidence, the figuring out who we are what our own core values are, where we want to go in our lives and have gaining the confidence within ourselves to reach those goals. I just finished reading Brené Brown's book, Rising Strong, how the ability to reset transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. Now she references a quote from Theodore Roosevelt's 1910 Man in the Arena speech, which I'd like to share with you. It is not the critic that counts, 
not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, what the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Leadership is about daring greatly, and it is about being in the arena. And I really believe in understandings. It's about understanding you. It's the first habit of Stephen Covey, another wonderful author, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that of being proactive, of taking responsibility for your life. Proactive people are driven by their own personal values. And then it's about making sure that those values are aligned with those of the organization that you choose to share your talents with. Have you ever felt the the lack of alignment between what you believed in and what you were being asked to do or perhaps where your organization was headed? Over time, a, 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 a disalignment really takes its toll. Mm-hmm. So building that first C, that of competence, it's also about building the core elements of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. Let's start with self-awareness. So it's, it's really emotional self-awareness. It's being able to accurately self-assess yourself. And it's about the self-confidence piece. So that builds on social awareness, building empathy, being able to step into someone else's shoes, organizational awareness. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. And a service orientation. Now, self-awareness also builds on self-management, being able to self-control, to be able to adapt your whole achievement drive and taking initiative, which also then contributes to relationship management, being an inspirational leader, developing others, influencing, being a change catalyst, uh, being good at conflict management, building bonds, and building teamwork and collaboration. These are really important because they allow us to be in tune with our emotions as they occur, and I'm I'm borrowing from, from Goldman's work. They help us manage our emotions in times of distress. They help us resolve challenges, overcome obstacles. They help us decrease our vulnerability, improve our relationships, and learn to set boundaries. They help us understand emotional signals um, about the emotions of others, perhaps. And they help us have uncomfortable but necessary conversations without invalidating our own feelings or hurting others. And I mentioned Daniel Goldman, um, his book, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ, is an excellent reference. And any of the books that I uh, cite, I will make sure are in the show notes to the podcast if you're interested in digging deeper. Daniel Goldman has actually written a number of really excellent books on emotional intelligence. And um, yeah, it just, it 
you can find out a little bit more. And there's also some free uh, EQ, emotional quotient tests on the internet, just to kind of find out where you sit in the different quadrants. I found it quite interesting. Now, continuing to build that sea of confidence is also remembering that we have choice. We are so quick to judge. And when we fall into that judgment mode, we can so quickly get ourselves into the muck. Can anyone relate? We can merge back onto that, that choice road, the road of the, the learner mindset, and we can make better decisions as a result. Uh, Amy, no, it's Marilee Adams, in her excellent book, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And certainly that is exactly what happens. Just as an example, and she has an excellent map in, in her book. And I think you can actually get it uh, by just going online. When you go into the learner mindset, you're, you're asking, what happened? What, what do I want? What are the facts? What assumptions might I be making? And what can I learn? You look at what, what could they possibly have been thinking? What were they feeling when perhaps they made a decision that you're having to look into? So the judger mindset, on the other, the other hand, the one that we often walk down, tends to be, whose fault is it? What, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? And then feeling yourself quite a failure and certainly not necessarily being able to resolve the situation that you're, you're trying to deal with. Marilee talks about how important it is to just take a moment this, this building confidence of just having that confidence to just stop and to do things like ask what happened, what assumptions are we making? I love Stephen Covey, and I go again in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that he talks about as the power of the pause. It's, you've got something that happens, a stimulus. And then you respond and, oh my goodness, how quickly we just respond. We respond out of anger. We respond out of frustration. And if we could just take that moment to realize that the words that we're going to use um, can't be taken back once they've been stated. It's again, having that confidence to just take it a little more slowly. And that's also an aspect of the EQ of uh, self-management um, and emotional intelligence. We have the freedom to choose. And I raise these with you because I know that each one of us have responded to something in anger and, and wished at times that we could have taken those words back or made a decision without truly considering the impact um, of, of what that, where that decision would, would take an organization or ourselves. We've all done this. It's, it's all about learning. That's <laughs> so important that we see those those times that we beat ourselves up and recognize that it is part of our learning. And it's necessary to take those first steps as leaders, as individuals wishing to make a positive influence and a difference in our lives, and that we're going to trip and fall. 
just like those seedlings that are struggling to make their way through the soil. They may need to work their way through a concrete uh, pillar or, or to work around a rock. It is a growth process. For those mistakes, those times that what you gave wasn't quite enough or it was really, really wrong, or the report that we submitted was not what, what the boss wanted, they can become so stuck because of those internal voices, those, those gremlins that uh, can be pretty loud at times. Rick Carlson or Carson wrote an excellent book all about this, Taming Your Gremlin. I think there's most of us have got more than one. A surprisingly simple method for getting out of your own way. Now, let me show, share a real life example. On my podcast with Stuart McNish, who's the producer of the very, very popular and fabulous Conversations That Matter, shared that a comment by a high school teacher, comment was that he would, if I remember correctly, would effectively never amount to anything. It was something like that or something that he couldn't write or it was just, it was a really devastating comment to him. Stayed with him for years. And in some ways, perhaps held him back from just that true belief that he could be who he has become. I was at a recent high school grad reunion and heard that that same teacher had made a similar type comment to others. And how, I mean, everybody laughed about it, but obviously from the conversations, it had had a devastating impact and had held people back from believing that they could be what they what they aspired to be. Some people are able to work through those those internal voices, those gremlins. But many others hold those comments through their entire careers and they, they aren't able to work through them. Don't let that, don't let yourself be one of those people. Another person's opinion of you is just that. It's their opinion. They're not you. They don't know you. And yet we are so willing to let other people define who we are. We need to define who we are. Now I'm going to turn to Byron Katie's work around this and her excellent book, Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life. I want you to think of a story that you might be telling yourself that might be getting in the way of you becoming or, or being your very best. So just take a minute. What story might you be telling yourself? Then when you've got that in your mind, I want you to ask yourself the four questions that, that um, Byron Katie poses. The first of all, is it true? Now, Byron Katie talks about the need to start off with the foundational level of questioning our thoughts. And that the answer to that question needs to be a clear yes or no. That we need to remain objective while giving some thought to this question. 
And also to observe ourselves, are we trying to convince ourselves that it's actually true? If someone says to you that you're a poor worker, or you have a poor attitude. Now, the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? Now, if this, the answer to the second question is yes, you got to keep digging. And we're guided to keep looking and seeing if it will reveal something to us, if we can just continue to remain objective. Our third question is, how do you react when you believe that thought? And she cites him, and indeed the question is extremely potent because think about the way you feel when you believe that thought, the thought that perhaps um, I'm not a good worker. What does that make you feel about yourself? Like how do you how do you react with others when you think that thought of yourself? And is there a she says, is there a chain reaction that happens when you believe this thought, such as addictions or cravings? Do you do you run to the refrigerator for that wonderful um, bowl of Hagen da ice cream? Her last question. Who would you be without that thought? And she continues, if you were able to go back in time and take a moment to reflect on the situation again, relating back to question three, visualize who you would be without that thought. That's the example that you're not a good worker. Think about how you would Feel about yourself if you could think something different. How you could move forward without absorbing someone else's comment to you or perception of you isn't likely true. We give people such power over ourselves. I believe that you're a lifelong learner. You you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't still looking to learn the nuances of leadership and, and perhaps get some morsel that, that might help you on your own journey. And there is always something new to consider. And I haven't yet met anyone, including myself, who isn't still struggling with telling themselves stories that get in our way of becoming the very best version of ourselves. The only way we can get better at this is to recognize that there are resources, like some of the books that I've, I've mentioned, that can help us with, with these things, that can help build our confidence. It is part of our evolutionary process as we grow in our leadership capabilities. And leadership is a muscle. It needs to be built and it needs to be continually exercised. And none of that happens overnight. I'm going to move into the second C of curiosity. 
And I, I believe that we've already kind of ventured into curiosity on our path so far, but it's time to go deeper. So the, the seedling, you are growing. You as a leader are stretching. You've learned to reach for the sun and you are working to become the very best that you have the capability of being. Now let's explore some of those critical nutrients that will help you present your best along the way. Hope you're having fun with this. I too often see our unwillingness to dig deep. We are so good at dealing with issues on the surface rather than at the core. And as such, things don't get resolved. And I'm certain that each of you can think of your own examples that because these situations, these problems, the things that come up in our lives don't tend to go away unless we've dealt with the, the root cause. I love the five whys. It's a tool that encourages us to keep asking questions to get to that root. Let me, and with gratitude to the internet, um, I looked up a five whys example just to make it a little bit easier. So the car isn't working. Why isn't the car working? Well, the battery's dead. First why. Well, why is the battery dead? Well, the alternator isn't functioning. Second why. Why isn't that? Why isn't the alternator working? Well, the belt's broken. Well, why is the belt broken? Well, it was actually well beyond its useful service life and hadn't been replaced. Well, why hadn't it been replaced? Well, the vehicle wasn't maintained according to the recommended service schedule. There's your root cause. So instead of just going, oh, my car's dead. It's, and just this is a fun, fun, simple example of just ask again, ask again, ask again, ask again. I think of labor relations situations where somebody's not presenting well. Why, 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 why? I know it has been a helpful tool in my toolbox and um, just something to remember, dig deeper. One of the areas that I often see we don't dig deep enough is conflict within our organizations. But where in your work might be being more curious and taking the time to dig deeper by applying these five whys uh, to something that you're challenged with, perhaps it could be helpful. So you're maturing as a leader. You're, you're resolving you're being creative, you are using your curiosity, and the seedling is growing. And as the seedling grows, there's gonna be obstacles. So I'm gonna talk about conflict. I think it's an important uh, additional tool for your toolkit, because I don't think we teach it well enough in school and it's something that we really need to be comfortable with. I turned to Gary Harper's book, uh, Conflict Resolution, The Joy of Conflict Resolution, Transforming Victims and Villains and Heroes in the Workplace and at Home. 
this stuff, when you do it well, positively impacts all aspects of your life. Now, Gary uses, you can think of a circle with problems written in the circle and then a triangle around the circle with victim at one point, villain at one point, and hero at the third point. Gary talks about every conflict providing the opportunity for learning, growth, and enhanced relationships. There we go. There's another of the EQ core components. So the victim, think of a princess. The villain, think of a dragon. And the hero, prince. You go into some of the fairy tales. Gary talks about as long as we see ourselves as the victim or a hero, we automatically create villains in our conflicts. And of course, the villain always feels victimized by us. Gary also talks about how the role that we play continually shifts. You can be the hero one moment and then you're feeling the victim and then um, all of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're, you're playing the various roles. What we need to do is we need to stay present. We need to listen to the things that we might disagree with. Stay comfortable with that and to be prepared to see the conflict through to real resolution. There's that digging deep again. We can choose, and it goes back to Adam's, Adam's map, to view and approach our conflicts differently. We can see the other not as the villain, but as someone that we must work to identify and solve the problem with. And so by doing so, we move beyond the drama triangle and we move towards resolution. Curiosity, the second C, uncovers the other side of the story. And empathy, the ability to put ourselves into other people's shoes, again, going back to those EQ quadrants, builds bridges. Because each one of us needs a sense of belonging and independence and recognition. Our need to feel respect is fundamental. And often just thinking about how you would want to be treated by another person when you're dealing with a conflict situation uh, takes you a long ways towards the positive resolution of that conflict. I have done very short work on, a, on something that Gary's written an entire book about. Uh, but those, those points are really important ones. And a good book that I would recommend to turn to just to the joy of conflict resolution. Oh my goodness, can you imagine resolving conflict? Now that seedling tends to need the big blue sky. It's reaching, it's reaching its, its leaves and its stem. So I'm gonna talk about the big picture, otherwise known as systems thinking to our toolkit to the nutrients of 
of developing leadership. I was blessed to be able to attend a workshop on systems thinking. One of the exercises required us to become CAOs of an organization. And we then spent the next hour literally being thrown various situations that we had to deal with within budget, within collective agreement provisions, within boundaries that were provided by our board, within all of the different constraints and realities that organizations need to manage within. It was a huge eye-opener for me. And from that point onwards, it helped me remember the broader context of actions that were being taken and considerations that the organization, the myriad of things that the organization contended with in, in its daily activities. And I don't recall where I read it, but there was this wonderful example of, of think of yourself as standing on a striped beach ball. Now you're standing at the top. Your stripe, your colored stripe down the side is your department. And the other stripes are the other departments. Now, we tend to think only of our own stripe, right? About our needs, our department's needs, you know, our, our budget needs more. We're prepared to take away from someone else's budget. We need to remind ourselves and keep ourselves at the top of that ball, reflecting on how our actions impact each of the other departments. Let's talk about, say, a department decides to reorganize. They're likely going to need the help of your HR professionals if you've got those in your organization. And other departments might also be impacted. Stakeholders like the union might need to be consulted. Have those departments been informed that you are going to need their resources, their help? Do those departments have time? Are those are your needs are within part of their uh, objectives that they've set for the, the upcoming year? Do they have the capability, the capacity to help you with what you're needing? The really important questions, and again, uh, it took years into my leadership journey before I really began to understand the impact uh, of not taking that time, not building those, those, those allies, of not building those relationships. There we go, back to those EQ quadrants. Something to remember for your toolkit. I also want to talk about how along the way we begin to really understand the impact of the how we do things, how we have that conversation with someone about perhaps their body odor being of concern. How do we approach those other departments to share our interests in, for example, under, undertaking a, a structural change? And remember that we're dealing with human beings. We work with human beings, not widgets. And work is only one aspect of very complex lives. And going back to Harper's conflict model, we all need a sense of belonging, independence, and recognition. Our need to feel respect is fundamental 
remember to think about how you would want to be treated by the other person. Gary goes on to talk about to be heard and understood, to hear their story without interrupting or judging, to have options and choices, because when we're presented with choices, we do feel a sense of power, and we're more likely to accept the final outcome because a choice allows us to save face and often diffuses resistance. Be given the reasons, and so critical, be treated fairly. As people overseers, those are so important, those four points. Maya Angelou reminds us, at the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or you did. They will remember how you made them feel. Okay. I'm going to take us a different place. I want you to think of something that you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of. Something that was a stretch for you. Then I want you to give some thought to why you chose this particular example and what you learned from the experience. There's something you've accomplished in your life. Don't give it a ton of thought, just what comes to your mind. Why why was why do you think that came to your mind? You think of something you learned from the experience. Why am I doing this? Because I think it's really important to remember that recognizing both your and your colleagues' accomplishments is incredibly important. Make the time to celebrate milestones, to applaud those baby steps forward. And remembering that whatever it was for you, it likely came through your own learning falling down, dusting off those those knees and trying again. Well done. Give yourself a big pat on the back. No, even better. How about applause? How about a standing ovation? Okay, take a moment. I'm clapping. I'm in the audience. You are being given a standing ovation. Get the blood moving. Take a moment. Recognition, remembering, noticing, paying attention, critical skills. Add them to your toolkit as a leader. And remember about your own as well. Celebrate your own accomplishments. The final C in our leadership journey is that of connection. Networking, being part of teams, your organization, associations, groups, your families and friends, they are all important. And what do you do with the connections that you've nurtured over the years? I'm going back to Covey's Seven Habits book. There's so much within our organizations that we're concerned about and can start to feel victimized about, but wonder what we can do about them. And he Picture a circle with called circle of influence in the inner circle, and then an out of outer circle around it that he calls the circle of concern. 
when we take a proactive focus on things, we enlarge the circle of influence. And so that circle of concern, that the out, outer circle becomes smaller. When we take a reactive focus, being the victim, oh, woe is me, they'll never listen to me. The circle of, what we do is we reduce our circle of influence. And so the circle of concern becomes even larger. And we have influence. You have influence. You can't choose to be proactive. How may you use your network, all of those different groups and people that I just listed out, perhaps change a decision or influence a decision? Who might you know? Who could be your ally? Have a conversation with them. Consider the concerns of the person who does have control that circle of concern that you're you're identifying with. How might you be able to help them and yourself or your own concern at the same time? A win-win. And again, another cubby habit. How can you effectively use your network? Who could you reach out to for taking a different approach? Where have you done this already in your life? I keep, not literally, but I keep those circles in my back pocket. I always think of circle of influence, circle of, I, I call it control, because often it's what you don't feel that you can be in control or you, you don't have control over a situation. Covey calls it a circle of influence. How can you influence that situation most effectively? Don't be shy. Now, equally important on our journey of connectivity and connections is doing our part to create work environments that are inclusive and feel inclusive. It includes working to be supportive of different groups of individuals. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are three closely linked values held by many organizations that are working to create these environments. We should have had them all along, but we haven't. It includes people of different races, of ethnicities, ethnicity, oh goodness gracious, ethnicities, religions, abilities, genders, and sexual orientations. And I need uh, some speech uh, assistance. <laughs> uh, and I am pulling some wonderful material from McKinsey and Company and some of the articles that they've uh, written on, on um, inclusivity and uh, diversity and equity. So diversity in the workplace, gender diversity, what makes up the composition of men, women, non-binary people in a given population, age diversity, are people in the group from mostly one generation or is there a mix of ages? I think we're seeing that increasingly in our work environments. Ethnic diversity, there I should have just said it is ethnic diversity. 
Do people in a group share common national or cultural traditions, or do they represent different backgrounds? And then physical ability and neurodiversity are the perspectives of people with disabilities, whether apparent or not accounted for. Now, equity is interesting and it's different from equality. And it refers, refers to the fair treatment of all people so that norms, practices, and policies in place ensure that identity is not predictive of opportunities or workplace outcomes. Equity differs from equality in a subtle but important way where Equality assumes that all people should be treated the same. Equity takes into consideration the person's unique circumstances, adjusting treatment accordingly so that the end result is equal. Here's a lovely diagram of oh, children trying to watch a baseball game. And instead of giving an equal-sized box, where, of course, the shortest child still can't see over the fence, the boxes are of different heights. So all the children can actually see all the fence. And that was a, that's a, a nice visual of, of what equity looks like. Inclusion refers to how the workplace experiences the workplace, the degree to which organizations embrace all employees and enable them to make meaningful contributions. So it's often referred to as psychological safety, people's feeling that they can speak up and uh, feel heard. I did two previous podcasts that might deepen your understanding if interested. Uh, one was with Ayo Oluduni on the Canadian immigrant experience. And I did one uh, using Amy Edmondson's work on psychological safety. And they're both on in this podcast series. It also means bringing it all together over time and experience. And I love speaking. Uh, Jobs in a commencement address spoke about his own humble beginnings and how he could never have contemplated where his life would have taken him and, of course, his many accomplishments. He talked about how most of us envision our career paths being something quite different than they actually turn out to be. He calls it connecting the dots. An example. When I was 19, I was working as a customer service rep at BC Town Mount Tellus. And I'd become quite involved in the union, mostly to please my father. Now, as a result of that involvement, I got offered the opportunity to assist in, uh, assist in a union organizing campaign back east. And from that, I was eventually offered a national rep position with the union. Now, I stayed with them for four years, after which I pursued a bachelor's degree in business then, um, at Simon Fraser University. And then I began working in human resources uh, post-graduation. I know that my time at the Communication Workers of Canada has absolutely made me a better HR professional. It just has enabled me to have empathy, to be able to better stand in someone else's shoes and feel from their perspective what uh, the, the situation might be. And when I graduated from high school, working in either a union or human resources was not anything that I could have imagined um, on graduation. So saying yes to opportunities has led to a really interesting array of dots for me. What will your dots look like when it's time for you to look back? And what kinds of seeds will you have sowed along the way, leaving legacy and nutrients to help the seedlings thrive? Yes, we are at that third stage. 
when you're teaching others, what could you be doing now for you? And for someone else who may be working to see where their own dots will lead them, it is all part of being a leader, just like your choice to listen to this podcast. And thank you for that. Be a nurse tree. You know, those where there's a stump in the forest and there's, there's new growth that has been the, the, literally living off the nutrients of, of the, the tree that's, that's no longer there. Well, we're still there, but anyways, to get the point. This idea is write a procedural manual to help others understand a work process or perhaps create a video to help explain a technology, technological feature that perhaps isn't used frequently. Mentor someone. Say yes to opportunities to speak, to share your knowledge. How can you help differently? You never know whose life you are going to impact positively by doing this. I think of so many people that I've listened to over the years. I don't remember their names, but I do remember their messages. Like the keynote speaker who talked about bringing her worst nightmare home with her to dinner. And to her bed. Okay, I know all the eyebrows are raised. But we do that when we can't let go of our work problems. When we come home at night and that's all we can talk about at the dinner table. When we toss and turn and we're so plagued by our nightmare problems that we we don't sleep. We keep thinking and, and mulling over the situation. We do bring them to, to dinner with us and, uh, and, and, and to our nighttime, our attempts at sleep. Again, we can choose. We can learn to leave that stuff where it belongs at work and allow, our, allow ourselves and our loved ones time for and with us without the baggage. As leaders, we need to model this. We confuse when we say one thing and we do another. And I, I know I've been bad for that. Because you're a leader, and no matter where you are in your own growth process, I hope that something that I've said has resonated with you. Because I believe in you. I believe that you have the capability to soar, to become the very best version of you. And I also know our world needs you. I appreciate the opportunity to have shared and learned with you today. And as I mentioned before, all of the resources that I've referred to are in the show notes to the podcast, if you're interested. I do indeed see you as a leader, starting with building your confidence, adding that C for curiosity, to continue to grow and to learn, and then adding that important third C, those all-important connections. It's time to fly. Have a great day, everyone. It's Susan signing out. Hope you'll join me again next month. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangene at gmail.com. 
I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.